بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم نحمد ونصلي على رسوله الكريم ما بعد باب النهي عن البخل والشح قال الله تعالى اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم واما من بخل واستغنى وكذب بالحسنى فسنيسره للعسرى وما يغني عنه ماله اذا تردى وقال تعالى ومن يوق شح نفسه فاولئك هم المفلحون صدق الله العظيم ومن الاحاديث فتقدم جمله منها في باب السابق وعن جابر رضي الله تعالى عنه ان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال اتقوا الظلم فان الظلم ظلمات يوم القيامه واتقوا الشح فان الشح اهلك من كان قبلكم حملهم على ان سفكوا دماءهم واستحلوا محارمهم رواه مسلم As we mentioned this is a very brief chapter but continuing with the discussion we began yesterday this chapter deals with the prohibition with regards to miserliness and the second term which imam nawawi rahimahullah has brought was washuh as we mentioned it's a more deeper form of miserliness or sometimes the inter- the translation can be made of shuh as being greed the verse of the quran from surah walail that imam nawawi rahimahullah has brought وَأَمَّا مَنْ بَخِلَ وَاسْتَغْنَى وَكَذَّبَ بِالْحُسْنَى فَسَنُيَسِّرُهُ لِلْعُسْرَى With regards to those who are miserly and indifferent and reject the most beautiful word, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says soon we will make it easy for them towards difficulty to adopt traits of grief and hardship and misery. وَمَا يُغْنِي عَنْهُ مَالُهُ إِذَا تَرَدَّى And as they are falling towards their destruction, the wealth will be of absolutely no avail to them. One principle ulama ikram mention is they say, ثَوَابُ الْحَسَنَةَ الْحَسَنَةَ بَعْدَهَا That there are certain good deeds that have this effect that they cause a person to perpetuate in good deeds. When you adopt these deeds, then we find it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's principle that through these deeds, Allah ta'ala makes it easier for you to do more good deeds. And conversely, there are certain acts which a person does which displease Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that perpetuate and lead towards even further acts of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's disobedience. And we find that in this verse of the Qur'an, one such practice is alluded to, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that those who will be miserly, first thing that is mentioned is miserliness, which is in keeping with the chapter that deals with the prohibition of miserliness. The second thing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَاسْتَغْنَى And they are indifferent with regards to what they are indifferent to in this context, ulama ikram have mentioned or the mufassirin have mentioned, they are indifferent to the great, great rewards which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised for spending in charity. When a person's excessive love for dunya blinds him and it grips him to such an extent that now he feels that he is no more in need of doing those great actions which will earn him rewards in the akhirat, 
is independent of that. Istighna wastaghna, indifferent, independent. To the great rewards which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised, such is the effect of his excessive love for wealth. <coughs> that he believes <coughs> that he believes that he is not in need of that reward. And the third thing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, which is obviously the root cause or one of the causative factors, وَكَذَّبَ بِالْحُسْنَى And this person does not believe or he rejects. The word husna in this context we will translate it as the most beautiful word, al-husna. Now what is meant by the most beautiful word? One general interpretation, ulama Karam give is the promises of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the shariat of Rasulullah sallallahu the verses of the Qur'an, etc. But a more specific translation of al-husna in this context will be kalimai tayyibah. That is, this person rejects the kalima, la ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says when these three things come together, وَأَمَّا مَنْ بَخِلَ وَاسْتَغْنَى وَكَذَّبَ بِالْحُسْنَى This person is miserly, he is indifferent to the promises of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala of the great rewards that he will get in the hereafter. He rejects the kalima. One other interpretation of al-husna, ulama ikram give, is jannah. He rejects jannah itself. Then Allah Ta'ala says, فَسَنُيَسِّرُهُ لِلْعُسْرَى We will make it easy for him to adopt traits of grief, of suffering, of misery. Not only in akhirat, in dunya also. His life in this world will become tight and narrow. So this, in this verse of the Qur'an, there is a great warning of the impediments of giving free reign to miserliness. Where a person, Allah Ta'ala is in fact telling us that if you are miserly and you are going to be indifferent towards our promises, then this will lead you to more acts of transgression. This will lead you to destroying your akhirat also and it will lead you towards the destruction of your dunya. So this is why we have to be very, very careful in this regard. Earlier verses before this, Allah Ta'ala says, That person who gives, who is generous, fears Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, believes in the promised word, believes in the kalima, believes in jannah, etc. Then Allah Ta'ala says, We will make the road to jannah easier for him. Here Allah Ta'ala is saying the road to jahannam will be made easy. The road towards destruction will be made easy. So such is the negative effect, such is the harmful effect of giving free reign to miserliness. The second verse of the Qur'an which Imam Nawi rahimahullah brings in this context, Before we go further with the second verse, there is a hadith of Rasulullah with regards to the first verse, which has to do with taqdeer, but it's not a discussion at this point that it is pertinent for us to go into details of right now, at some other occasion, if there is opportunity or if it is deemed uh, required, then we will discuss that. In any case, coming to the second verse, وَمَيْ يُوْقَ الشُّحَّ نَفْسِهِ فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that that person who is saved, that person who is saved, 
from the excessive greed of his soul. Such a person, فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, without a doubt, without a doubt, such people will be successful. In other words, those who are protected, protected from miserliness of the soul, شُحَّ nafsi. Those who are protected from miserliness of the soul, Allah Ta'ala says, فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ These are indeed the successful ones. Mujahid and others, other interpreters of the verses of the Qur'an, accepted interpreters of the Ahlu Sunnah wal Jama'ah, they explain what is meant by شُحَّ nafsihi. They say that person who discharges his zakat and he does not usurp the wealth of others. He does not take what is not his right and he discharges his zakat. Such people have been saved from the greed of the soul and Allah Ta'ala says they will be the successful ones. Abdullah bin Masood radiallahu ta'ala who gives a more specific explanation of shuha nafsihi. He says those people who are saved from aklumal in nas bil batil. In other words, they do not eat up the haq and the right of, of, of the wealth of other people. They stay away from haram in their earnings. These are the people who have been saved from the miserliness of the soul. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْمُفْلِحُونَ These will be the successful people. After mentioning, like I said, this was a very brief chapter. After mentioning just two verses of the Qur'an, Imam Nawi rahimullah says, وَأَمَّا الْأَحَادِيثِ فَتَقَدَّمَتْ جُمْلَةٌ مِّنْهَا فِي الْبَابِ السَّابِقِ He says, majority or quite a few of the ahadith dealing with this madhammat or the denigration of miserliness have already passed in the chapter which preceded. As we mentioned, the chapter which preceded dealt with generosity. So wherever Rasulullah exhorted us to generosity in the same hadith, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam would warn us of the harms of miserliness. Example, وَأَنْتُمْ سِكَهُ شَرٌ لَكُ We find in the ahadith that passed, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, if you hold on to wealth, if you do not spend it in the way of Allah ta'ala, شَرٌ لَكُ it is shar, it is evil for you, it is harmful for you. Likewise, the hadith which passed, where the angels made dua for those who are generous, and on the other hand, we are told that every day the angels make dua, Allahum dua, Allahum aati mumsikan talafa, that Allah, those who hold on to their wealth, and those who hoard their wealth, Ya Allah, destroy such people. We mentioned quite a few ahadith of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, where in Nabiya Pak sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, warned us or told us of the great harms of being a miserly person. One more example of that, we find in one riwayat, Rasulullah said, Thalathum muhlikat. He said there are three things, muhlikat, which, are, which will destroy you, which will actually destroy you. And one of them, shukhum muta'ah. That is a very, very high level of miserliness, wherein you give in to the dictates of being a miserly person, Allah's Rasulullah said this is something that will actually destroy a person. We've already run out of time, but just briefly to translate the hadith. This hadith passed previously, but there is some detail, which inshallah we'll carry on with later. Jabir radiallahu ta'ala narrates that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, if you look at the evocative wording of the hadith, Allah's Rasulullah uses the word ittaqo, in other words, Save yourself from this. Fear this. He said, Ittaqu dhul. Fear zulam. Fear being an oppressor, a zalim in any form. Why? 
He said, Dhulam, oppression of any form, will take on a manzar or a scene or a form of intense darkness. Dhulumat. Dhulm is singular, Dhulumat is plural. In other words, many, many forms of darkness. Zulam being an oppressor, transgressing upon the rights of people, will lead to many, many forms of darkness on the, on the Day of Judgment. And then Nabi Salaam says, وَاتَّقُشْشُحْ Fear, miserliness. So the same word that's used, fear, zulam, fear, miserliness. Ulama mentioned interestingly, miserliness is one form of oppression. You are denying people the rights to wealth. Allah gave you wealth for a reason, not to hoard it or to hold on to it. Allah gave you wealth to earn your akhirat. Allah gave you wealth to exhibit generosity. Allah Ta'ala gave you wealth to address the needs of others. And there are rights which your fellow human being has or have over your wealth. Some are compulsory rights like your family members. Then there are the rights of others. Some are, not, some are nafil rights, etc. So, not fulfilling those rights constitutes zulm already. Yet, so in other words, the first prohibition in this hadith was sufficient. Ittaqu zulm. Under that prohibition, miserliness also falls. Yet specific mention is made. Ittaqu zulm and then ittaqu shuh. Fear, zulm and oppression and then specifically Rasulullah says, fear being a miserly person. In other words, abstain from this at all costs. Allah give us